0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: You're listening to highlights from the opinion line on Corks 96FM. To hear the full show, download the podcast from iTunes or see 96FM.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Corks 96FM.
2: Oh, it's a lasher of a morning out there. Absolutely stunning. And the weekend looks like being just as nice. And of course, this time of the year, the sunrise is after seven. So I get to see it on my drive into work. It's dynamite. It's just gorgeous. It was beautiful this morning. Good morning, 1850-715-996. Text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Your email, opinion at 96fm.ie. Twitter at opinionline96. And of course, contact us through Facebook, the course. 96FM Facebook page. Very sad to see one of the first things that popped up on my social media when I was checking it this morning early was a very sad post from the 3 Degrees hair design people. Uh, we're absolutely heartbroken. Uh, says Kira, I presume, is the owner. We got a call at 315 to say the salon was on fire and there's a desperate photograph, desperate photograph of the damage done and there's still a fire brigade hose snaking through the salon. You can see the roof destroyed, the mirrors destroyed, the floor destroyed, there's water everywhere. It's just awful they'll be closed for the next couple of weeks they've said we're so sorry for any inconvenience and we'll keep you all updated love from everyone at uh, three degrees and they will be closed for the next couple of weeks in fact i think i can go to kira now kira good morning
3: hi hey, good morning how are you
2: it's been a horrible night for your girl oh
3: my god the place, you haven't the
2: the place looks awful you yeah, poor thing
3: really
2: yeah tell me what when they when you found okay. out and why?
3: Um, well, we actually on late last night because we, we were working till nine, but then we some of us stay around and chat for a while and it was just one of those evenings we were just chatting and, you know, catching up because we haven't seen each other in a week. Mm-hmm. So we, um, we got a call, call at quarter past three this morning. It was actually one of the staff members got a text message off someone, but shortly afterwards, then the guards rang us and stuff. We were there for like... We got there for about half past three, I'd say, and it was just completely... Like uh, gone.
2: Yeah, is that your photograph?
3: And um, my sister's. Yeah, yeah.
2: How many people worked there?
3: Kira? Um, I, I, I can't. Do you know what? Now I'm so, my mind. Is, there's about, know, there's no. about fifteen of us all together. Oh no. Yeah, fifteen girls. Yeah, and we just got back up and running, and you know everything. You know, was going really well, and you know we. The salon has only done up about a year and a half and, you know, we love it. It's so beautiful and just gone now. But, you know, hopefully we'll get there in a few weeks' time.
2: Yeah, well, that's the kind of optimism that will get you there, do you know?
3: Yes, yes, hopefully. It's
2: it's really rough (laughs) going, though.
3: Yeah, it's it's really sad, it is. You know, when you love what you do so much and we love the salon, you know? I
2: know. And you have a massive following.
3: Yeah, we do, we do. We put everything we have into it, you know? Yeah. But we will get there again, and we've loads of people around us that'll help us back, and we we will get there.
2: You, you you know how much you're followed and how much you're loved up there. When a fella like me who has very little use for hair salons, yeah, you pop up on my timeline. Know how popular you are, you thanks, know. And
3: that's thanks to all our staff as well. We really have very good girls in the salon. You know, our family and friends around us—they're so good. And there has been so many salons came on to us since since three o'clock this morning, yeah. offering their salons and you know every, people have been so good so people are so helpful and so thoughtful and we really really appreciate it so we just want to thank everyone for that as well
2: you you know Karen from charisma don't you
3: we do yeah, yeah she's yeah. on
2: the other line karen oh. hi karen you there
3: hi tj how are how, you
2: how are you sit speak speaker kira there
3: Hi, Karen, who are you? You're just devastated, Fevered. I know, I know we're going It's mad. just, I tell you now, my heart is breaking here listening to me. I know, I know. I just, I don't know how you're even comprehending it. Um, Deirdre rang me this morning when I had put the post up asking would I come on. And I'd say I'm speaking for every every hairdresser in the whole of the city. Um, we're just absolutely gutted, here. Thanks so much. Thank you. Gutted. I know, and, I know, and everyone is so good, but we will get there. I mean, it's just hit, like we we put our heads so into it for so long, and it just feels like you know this year has been. Listen, Kira, that's plain to see, girl. Everyone has seen the work that you've done. You know, you're a magnificent salon. You do yeah. fantastic work, and you're great, girls. I don't know any of you personally, but it doesn't matter. You know, we're yeah. all in the same game. We're all in the business, and we know what it is. Yeah, it, it, and for everyone it to work. Is, this year has been so hard alone for everyone. You know, but. I, everyone pulls together, and it it, it it will be okay in time. You, you want to be able to
2: help, Karen? Do you think you can help when in some is, way?
3: I I think any everyone is going to offer help, and the girls are going to have to see what's being said. But I also like my salon is closed three days a week. It's a big salon; they're more than willing to it. This Thank is not you so a much. We give a customer game for me whatsoever, because that's not what it's about. It's just about the girls getting back up and running and covering commitments that they might have it's still, it's
2: still. So that just for just, just for people who missed that Karen them. the line isn't great uh, you've just said that on the days that charisma is closed kira and her clients mm-hmm. and her workmates are quite hap- quite welcome to use yours
3: to place. Thank you so there much. Because this is nothing for charisma's gain. This will be for three degrees gain. As in, they could come in and run the show at their salon without us being there. Do you know what I mean? So it will be their so their thing. If they wanted, if they're stuck for a place to cover commitments that they have to cover, they're more than welcome to our salon on the three days that were closed. Do you know. All right. Thank things, you so much. We actually can't even begin anything to anything at all that I could help. Oh
2: my God. All right. That's a very, very generous offer, Karen. It yeah. is.
3: So I just can't get my head around it. No, so if I can't it's, get it's my can head read. around it, can you imagine what they must be going through? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, I had to drive back the road this morning at six o'clock. I woke up to the, the post on Facebook and I was driving back the road. It was a half an hour friends back this morning and we were ready for confirmation. And the whole half an hour back the road, all I was thinking of was, what must they be going through now? Like the stress. The pain. They, they must be no. They must
2: be just literally no. Yeah. <sighs> well, you know what? You're probably you're completely right, Karen, because as Kira has been saying, it's been such an awful year for everybody we're being shut down for weeks on end and then having to yes. spend so much money and do so many different things yeah. to get ready for reopening yeah. and then you get reopened and everything seems to be going just fine and, and then and then this yeah, you have yeah. to wonder how, how much can people take like
3: it? this is it and you know what Peter? what has to happen now is everyone needs to rally together They've spent enough money down through the years of suppliers and the whole lot of companies. They need to get yeah. the support. Now, people need to chip in and get these girls back up and running as quick as they can. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because not only is it their livelihoods that are it's everyone's yeah. jobs that are there as well. Yes, yeah, exactly. everyone's families and everyone's kids. Karen, Do
2: you know that isn't.
4: Mean, so they need the support.
2: I'm going to leave you because that's an awful telephone line. I, but, but thank you so much for your generous offer. Kira, stay with me again just for a moment. No like, problem. So, so the, 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 thanks, Karen, by the way. from, from, thanks, from Karen. Charisma. Thanks so much. Um, so what do you do now? You get an assessor in, Your insurance um, comes in. Why yeah,
3: our, our dad you now is like is, is starting all that, and thankfully, you know, he's he's on it you now since three o'clock this morning. To be fair, he be, he does a lot for us that way. Anyway, and we've a lot of family and friends around us that would help us. It's just we love what we do, and you know, we like we really love this island. We only, as I said, we only give it up, and it's just, you know, for, you know, for something you love so much to be just taken away in minutes, really. But no one was hurt, and that's the main thing. And all our staff are safe, we're all safe. And everything can be replaced. Yeah. It would just take a bit of time. It's just everything was... We, we were just back, and everything was going so well. And we, we, we had new launches in, and we had a new online shop, and we just had bought all the stock in for that, and, you know...
2: Is that all gone? Have, Is the stock gone?
3: All gone, yeah. Everything's burnt. Everything we have, we put into the salon. We literally you know if if there was a mark on the wall we'd get a painter in you know we're just like well, that
2: do you know Kiri you still have yourselves
3: we that's exactly it and you know it, it, no one was hurt and even when this morning when the girls rang me to sit to, to tell me and I, I when it, I, I, I didn't ring my sister because she's pregnant I rang my sister Hayley and my dad but the first thing I said was everyone's okay no one's hurt but the salon's on fire so we all went in we And the way we are, we'd get into, you know, we'd get into the swing of it, but it it was two hours later then, and we were like, oh my God, you know, it was just, it's devastating, but it can all be replaced. And we, like, there's so many salons offering their their salons, and we're so grateful for it, and we really, really appreciate it. And we probably will take people up on the offers, even if we have to split ourselves up. Um, We've a fantastic team, and we, we will get there again. It'll just take a bit of time. And we 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 just we, we get there
2: i'm going to share something with you before i let you go and thank it's you. it's it's a motto that i live by all right
3: yeah and
2: i'll share it with you everything okay. will be okay in the end
3: everything if, will be okay If in it's, the it's end. not
2: okay it's not the end
3: and exactly and you know it's not the worst thing that can happen to us in the world Every, everyone is safe and that's the main thing isn't it
2: yeah you take care
3: thanks so much Keira, f- cheers thank take you care. bye
2: bye that's kira from the three degrees, like I said, for, first thing, it popped up faster than the examiner's Twitter feed or the time was three degrees hair hair design. Um, what a horrible thing to have to deal with after such a hard year to keep the businesses going. But that's it. They've got offers flying in of places to use and facilities to use and I presume stock and all of that. So we'll wish them well. We'll keep in touch with them over the next while as soon as they get back up and running. Or as soon as they get close to it, we'll be able to talk to them again. 1850 715 Adrian wants to know, why aren't you talking about the flocks of d rage cars that have popped up in West Cork in the last couple of days? Obviously, they're escaping their potential lockdown. Well, Adrian, one of the reasons that we're not talking about it is no one had told us about it, but now you have. That's kind of how things work, dude. 1850 715 I am going to take a look Uh, at the COVID cases in Cork, and I'm going to track back the 14-day figures because with Dublin about to go into stage 3, and maybe even more than stage 3, they're very worried about Dublin. I think we have grounds for some optimism in Cork. If we keep doing what we've been doing and maybe do it a little bit better, keep washing the hands, keep wearing the mask, keep the distance... Keep it, you know, don't be getting involved with every Tom, Dick and Harry. Keep to your own small circle. We could be okay. We could come out of this okay and stay on course. I'll do those numbers a little bit later.
1: This is Courts Gold, Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call
4: us now, 1850-715-996. On
1: Courts, 96FM.
2: Yeah, there's a real pylon of help. People wanting to do whatever they can for Kira and and her colleagues up at uh, the Three Degrees. Another fantastic generosity from Karen to Kira. Says this message. Please, PJ, did you also mention another business destroyed by fire? The girls from Pure Boutique and It's So Me in Douglas doing a fire sale at the moment in St. Patrick's Woolen Mills, and they've had brilliant support from each other and from other businesses, including the landlady at the Woolen Mills. Amazing what people can get through when they support each other. Of course, they're from the Douglas Village fire, of course, guys. Great to see that you're getting the support down there that you need. Mario's on WhatsApp and says, to hear that lovely girl from Charisma offer her salon for the three days when they're closed shows the unity some businesses have with each other and it restores my faith in humanity. I work for a men's retail shop here in Cork. He made us spy on other businesses and put a stop to any other shop trying to make progress. Well done to the kinder people. 185715996. Now, our Fiona has been on one of her assignments and this one, I'm sure, must have been fun, to say the very, very least. The firefighters, you've heard about it in the news, Cork City Fire Brigade are recruiting for 20 full-time firefighters. They don't do this very often. We were talking to Victor Shine about it during the week, like one of the T's and C's is you have to have a full driver's license and that's the reason we had Victor on because that came up with the council, kind of an idiotic motion to drop it. But that's 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 by the by. They're recruiting for 20 full-time firefighters, particularly they're looking for women this time out. Our Fiona went along just to see what it was all about and found herself in uniform with a hose in her hand.
5: Station officer Irene Wallace putting us through the suitability test. So the first one was that we were running out a hose wheel of 25 metres and then you were jogging back of the 25
3: metres. Then our second test was that you were carrying two lengths of 70 mil hose,
5: one in each arm and again you were running up 25 metres Turning and running back for the recruitment, it'll be running of fifty meters up to hundred. This was after climbing through a smoky tunnel to There's rescue one a one baby. Yes. And we were required to climb a thirteen point five meter high ladder.
6: The
7: main thing is you kind of lean back, right? So extend your arms out fully, and you try and make sure that you're quite comfortable. There are a few snag hazards. As Fiona goes up
5: the ladder, you have the ropes, the pulleys. And all the while wearing the heavy fire retardant uniform, helmet Simple and mask. The heat. Full gear, in the, heat. in the heat, and a nice bit of sweat going on. This is just a taster of what the 20 new recruits will be required to do on their 14-week training programme. Second fire officer, Victor Shine, explains the type of candidates they're looking, We're looking for. looking
8: for motivation. We're looking for somebody that is driven to be able to come in and you saw us towards the end when you were getting tired we were pushing we were pushing we were pushing okay that happens in real life at the fire calls where the officers are demanding 110 120 percent of what you would normally be able to give and that's what we're looking for and
5: they're particularly interested in recruiting young women
8: that you'll be able to go out to deal with children be able to deal with casualties in a way a female can the male we're, we're trying to adapt to different roles, but the motherly nature of, of, a, of a female, okay? has its own particular characters.
5: This is the first time that the fire service has opened to new recruits since 2012 and Victor explains the process to get to full-time firefighter. Initially
8: it's 14 weeks and then you have a probationary period of 12 months where you do modules during that 12 months, you're assessed every month during that programme and at the end you have a consolidation week where you're assessed by the peers of the um, the fire service, that would be myself, the training officer, the breeding apparatus officer and so on and whether you make it or not is decided at the end of the 12 months
5: <laughs> <laughs> The deadline for applications is Friday September 25th and anyone who's interested can apply through the Cork City Council website corkcityie forward slash recruitment
2: You're planning a career change fee Good morning you
5: never know. Although I'm a bit sore this morning, so.
2: <laughs> I like that a nice bit of sweat going on. Yesterday was, uh, or the day before, was a very warm day. What was it like?
5: And um, you know, as I sorry, is that line okay? Because I'm getting it's perfect. Yeah,
2: it's grand.
9: Is it
5: is, okay? And um, I had to do, as I said, the climb up the ladder, the thirteen point five meter high ladder, and crawl through a smoky, dark tunnel and go through a smoke-filled room and uh, run with uh, two 25 or kg cases filled with foam and a fire hose and drag a 50 kg casualty across the yard. And all of that probably wouldn't have been too bad. But with the uniform that those guys wear, PJ, it's so heavy. The helmet itself is really, really heavy. The, the gear, the boots... And it's so hot. And yesterday it was a hot day, but I can't even imagine what it must be like for the fire crews who are going into a building that's actually on fire and you have all that heat. I mean, I was sweating after doing it yesterday, but they said to me that what is really, really important is that they they hydrate themselves on the way, that they drink loads of water as they're on uh, the way to an emergency just because they're going to sweat so much when they're inside.
2: Yeah, it's, it's really tough. remember the, the Douglas fire last year, Victor mm. actually telling us on the show like, that, for example, you, you cook a chicken at 180 degrees and it was 900 degrees inside, inside in the shopping centre.
5: I know, it's incredible. You can't get your head around that. I know, it's unbelievable. Um, And they, you know, yesterday, Martin and Jair and Irene and Victor put us through our paces yesterday, and all the guys there, they were all really nice, really sound. But um, they're really, really interested now in finding women. There's just one female officer here in the city, Irene Wallace, Mm. and they were saying that they, you know, Victor said it in my piece there, that... You know, young women coming in that they have a different nature, and you know, fire officers don't just attend fires; they go to crashes, road crashes, flooding, river rescues. They do a whole range of uh, emergency operations, and they were saying that you know, a female fire officer will bring different qualities mm. than a male officer. So they're looking for females now to be the difference this time around and to apply. And you know, the, the deadline for those applications is next Friday. They have already had thousands of people who've applied. Mm. They thought when they started out that they'd have ten thousand and I think they have up around three thousand at the minute. Right. So um it's a long process that people have to go through and I think it is definitely a calling. I mean I really You almost spend a
2: year studying really is what you're doing, isn't
5: it? Yeah, you do, but I suppose it's such an important job and there's so much involved in it. It's and it's not even just physical strength. There's a mental um thing to it as well. Like we had to yesterday when we were walking through the dark smoky room, we had to find objects and we had to recall five of them when we came out. Um which you know sounds easy enough but when you're dealing with everything else that was going on in that room because all the sounds were really muffled and you were trying to take directions from people and you couldn't really, you couldn't see your hand in front of you mm. um, and there was that baby sound crying and you know if you go into a, a house and you hear that you have to obviously try and find that that person and focus and on the
2: sound them. in the dark find the direction of the sound in the yeah
5: yeah so there's a real mental strength there as well and um irene wallace was saying to me that because i was kind of saying to her if you know i wouldn't have a huge amount of upper strength to, to drag a, a man out of a building but she said to me that when you're in that position your your mental strength takes over mm. and she said you know when you've got somebody's life in your hands it's amazing what you can actually do mm. um and you know i did drag a 50 uh, kg man across the yard yesterday on a mannequin and um, but it uh, it is very very you know there is the strength there's mental ability and all of that is part of the test and the training program and they go through a constant training. There, um, They were telling me yesterday that they do about 3,000 emergency call-outs every year. And on a busy day, they could have six, seven, eight call-outs. It'd be like, you know, one after the other. And then there's other days where it would be very quiet. And on those quiet days, they use the, that time for training. So they're constantly training. Even when you get in after the year, you're going to be constantly training, constantly training. Yeah, because the technology
2: is changing all the time too, part Fenton mm. You know, Fiona, so there is... Would you think about it, like?
5: Um, I don't know. I was thinking about it last night, and, um... <laughs> it's... You know, like, I think it's definitely one of those jobs that's a calling. Um, yeah. You know, like, and I like i was kind of saying to them yesterday i don't think i'd make much of a firefighter but they were saying that you know the, the strength would come to you eventually and yeah, yeah. um, you know when you're doing this training over the 14 weeks and it's five days nine to five so you, you would get the hang of all of that but i don't know how i feel about going to uh an emergency situation and having somebody's life in my hands and, and that yeah. pressure um, Talk about the female,
2: the mm. female skill set that Victor is talking about, for want of a mm. better expression. Do you know, I mean, you're a, you're a mum of two small kids, and mm. I guess that would bring something to it, or might it make it hard to to work I with think, children, work with families? I don't know.
5: And um, you know, when I was calling through that tunnel yesterday, and I could hear the baby crying, and it. <laughs> it 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 was quite intense to be in there in that situation, and you know I was imagining if that was my children, and I was, you know, in a a burning building with my children there. Um, But you know, it's it's an incredible job that they do, and I think if anybody is signing up for it and they are going to do it, it would be an amazing job to have. And they said to me last yesterday that anybody who is there it's a job for life you know Jar and Martin were saying that they've been there for over 30 years yeah. and uh you know there there's a real family sense of like you know family unit there yeah. amongst yeah. them all and you know it would be a great job in that way and um, and i wouldn't i wouldn't completely rule it out i <laughs> just um, <laughs> you know it's um it is. It, it gave me a whole appreciation, a whole new appreciation. I of was the, just going to get to that, that, and we we,
2: we talk about mm. it. We talked about it after Douglas, and you and I have talked about it many after after other fires. And we referred to these are the people who run in when everybody else is running out. I guess that mm. exercise gave you a whole new understanding. It
5: did, and they said to me because like the suits are obviously fire retardant, um, but they said to me that they don't actually go into the flames. Like, if there's somebody in there that they know they can't save, they're not going to risk yeah. their lives. They'll get as far as they can, but if they know that somebody is beyond saving, it's just, it becomes a, a recovery rather than a rescue. And those are like
2: massively accident. hard calls to make too.
5: Yeah, and I think that, I don't know how I cope in that situation if I was going into a building and knowing that there was somebody inside that I couldn't save. and yeah. um, Like, that must be really, really... Difficult, yeah. and I suppose, um, and it's no more than your job and my job, PJ, where you're dealing with, um, you know, sad and tragic cases all the time, um, and for them to deal with that, there's a huge amount of banter, yeah, um, because you know you have to because. It would kind of get in on you if you really thought about it yeah. all the time. Yeah. There's you a kind of a dark black
2: to... humour that goes around that
5: yeah. you know,
2: the rest of us wouldn't even understand, but it keeps yeah. it keeps them going. It keeps them saying yeah. the same. Similar with guards and soldiers and mm. paramedics. They all because of the things they see and the things they do. Yeah. They have this sense of humour. Fiona, listen. Thanks very very much. Uh, and I, I think I I that my... anybody who is
5: going to apply. Yes. Wh- who do job. they?
2: Who, wh- where do they apply to? How do they get involved? So
5: it's through the courts City Council website, it's corkcity.ie forward slash recruitment. Okay. And it's the campaign is Be the Difference.
2: All right, Fiona, thanks for that. Great. That's uh, Fiona Corcoran. A trainee firefighter for a day. 1850 715 996.
1: This is Court's gold, Emro award-winning talk show, The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or
10: WhatsApp now: 0833969696. 96
1: on Court's ninety six FM.
2: I'll be talking about COVID nineteen cases in schools in just a wee while, and how it's led to a lot of judging and blaming and shaming to a ridiculous point at this stage, where people are being named actual. Kids diagnosed or teachers diagnosed are being named on social media in some case, which is just dementedly stupid. Getting to that in a while, but I promised that I would uh, go through the COVID cases in Cork as we watch for Dublin to go into phase three and a bit extra from midnight tonight. That'll be confirmed by the cabinet later on this afternoon. Let's look at Cork. Now we've been doing the fortnightly figures for the last few weeks and taking them from the hub and. As I've explained to you more than once, the Hub actually doesn't update the graphs for a few days. So while we've had, I think it's 15 cases since Wednesday in Cork City and County, which is worth watching, the last fortnightly figure I can actually calculate from the graph is for Tuesday, the 15th. So the fortnightly figure for last Tuesday was 61 cases in Cork City and County. Go back... To the fifteenth of August, you're twenty eight cases. So that's as near as damn it to double. In fact, slightly more than double. Go back another month to the fifteenth of July. Where we had fourteen cases in the fortnight. That is a doubling from July to August, and another doubling from August to September. Come back to that. Go back into June. We were getting it under control. Eighteen cases in the fortnight. Go back into May. And this was coming towards the end of lockdown. On the 15th of May, we had a fortnighty clothing of 88 cases in Cork. And then go back into the 18th of April at the height of the crisis, when we were locked down and staying at home and only allowed to go to the supermarket. It was 1,653 was our fortnightly figure. So we're well and truly removed from that. So we're nowhere near that level, thankfully. But what we saw was a doubling... From July to August and a doubling from August to September. If that were to continue in another month, we'd be having 120 odd cases a fortnight in Cork and Left After. That would be on to 205. And remember, that's the kind of growth that lands you in trouble. So we kind of do a need to behave ourselves. We're getting calls as well about pubs advertising live music, some of them even starting before Monday. Like guitar recitals on Sunday. Uh, someone's particularly worried about trad sessions in some bars because it would encourage singing. Well, I know the South County had one of their trad groups go back into a very carefully distanced setup in the last week or so. The VFI tell us there's nothing in the guidelines for the pubs operating as restaurants to not have music, there's nothing stopping them having music. There's no mention, in fact, of music in the guidelines. There's a noise requirement. You have to ensure that people don't have to raise their voice, for example. You can have music, but probably not a lot of amplification present. So we're looking at acoustic stuff. We're trying to get more clarification on it. But since the start, there has been no ban, in the guidelines at least, on music in any pub. 1857-15996. That's the schools we're going to deal with. We'll do that next. Thanks to Mags who reminded me of a figure that I forgot to give you and I should give you. The current 14-day figure in Cork of 61 or 60-odd 60 cases amounts to 12 per 100,000 population, which is the second lowest in the country at the moment. Thanks for bringing that to my attention, Mags. I had it on another sheet of paper and forgot to mention it. But that we're really doing well here. Per head of population... Our case number is 12 per 100,000, which is among the lowest in the country. And it's up to ourselves to keep it there. Speaking of cases, we now have, I think, nationally in the country, something like 150 cases attached to schools. And we were told when the schools reopened that this was going to happen. It's just the nature of the thing. When you reopen the schools, you're going to get cases. And it's about transmission and it's about how serious they are and all that, and just monitoring the situation and taking action when a case is diagnosed. We've had some uh, press releases here from schools and some emails from schools where cases were found and actions were taken of the whole set of guidelines going along with that. But outside of that, there's information on social media, right, left and centre, about schools involved again that was inevitable that's going to happen parents are worried they wonder about if there's a case in the school who has it how did they get it could my kid get it could i get it and worry leads to leaks leaks can be dangerous and can lead to online behavior that you want to see jen hogan's been looking into this columnist of the irish times jen good morning
10: good morning pj how are you
2: good invite our you know curiosity and fear leads to leaks and sometimes the wrong stuff gets leaked and it's happening.
10: Absolutely there's um at least one facebook group possibly more at the moment de- detailing i suppose the schools that have cases and um, details about classes that have cases and i think the part that concerns me the most is sometimes the very specific information there identifying the person who has covid um, in different classes and I think this group has been set up with the best of intentions maybe to help parents make a responsible and informed decision about whether or not to send their children to school because the the government obviously their guidelines said that they can't issue a blanket instruction as all schools are different one size doesn't fit all and that's the same for families obviously we all have different risks and we all have different people we have to consider but there is an absolute invasion of privacy I think happening and a lot of... Um judgment, a lot of judgment is starting to happen, you know, um, comments about people's behavior at the schools. There was one school identified and subsequently somebody decided to come at Hutsher, it's no wonder, because I've seen those people and how they behave outside and they're not social distancing and they're standing too close at the bus stop or mm. they're. We're engaging in whatever behaviour the person deemed unacceptable. And there is a, a stigma and a bit of a blame culture around COVID at the moment, as in, if you catch it, you're in some way possibly responsible. Um, not for everybody, but yeah. for, for some that exist. And this kind of group, this nearly for want of a better description vigilante patrolling via facebook concerns me because even with good intentions things can go astray and and there doesn't seem to be a consideration for the impact on people and the invasion of their privacy there's a sense of entitlement we're entitled to know this and we're not we're not entitled to have information, health information for about other people
2: yeah there is that we're allowed to know and in it Social media world, we're entitled to know, and mm. if the media won't tell us, if the media yeah. are hiding it, we'll tell us. But you don't have a right to know that yeah. little Jimmy Murphy, age seven, has COVID. You don't have that right.
10: No. You don't, and that's something we're going to have to get our heads around. I do agree, as parents, we do need maybe some information and uh, some more information, possibly, than some schools are getting, just so that we can make a responsible and informed decision for our own families. But, 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 at all. A priority has to be that privacy is protected. This is healthcare care information. This is private information. That You know, if, if we, one of us is suffering with something else, we don't, we're not obliged to tell everybody. And I know it's an infectious disease and that's why schools will be informed and public health will make the appropriate decisions. But taking it upon yourself to identify somebody in a class Yeah, or whether that be a teacher or a child that's not okay
2: No, not at all and I think what is happening is we hear the expression notifiable disease Mm. some idiots on social media think oh that means we can name the person and practically give out their, their air code no, mm-hmm. it just means there's a case in in the school. Something yes. else that you mentioned though earlier on there, Jen, and I got pictures of this and wanna spoke to one or two people about it off the air. In the first few days when the schools went back, particularly the very smallies, mm-hmm. there was groups of mams and dads outside the school at one o'clock. Now they have to bring the kids into the school in a particular way, mm-hmm, send them in a particular route. There is a touch of defeating the purpose if there's 40 mammies or 40 daddies clung together at the gate at 1 o'clock.
10: I think think this is proving a completely different challenge to what was anticipated, maybe. Or maybe it was foreseen, but the schools are trying to do their best here, and we have staggered openings and staggered closings to try and minimise traffic at schools. But if you have multiple children at a school, you're finding that there's parents hanging around so even if they're not on the school gates they're possibly just outside the school and they're congregating there waiting for the next child so I have certainly seen that as well in spite of the huge efforts that schools are making and, and they do have to be applauded for that but it I don't know that it's it's not defeating the purpose, like you said, because we do have more congregation happening because children can't just be kind of flung into school almost, you know, arrive, run in, off you go. Parents are having to wait because children have to go in in a certain order yeah. and then they're waiting for siblings as well. So, yes, that that I think is is proving quite problematic.
2: There's a blaming and shaming thing starting again there, though. Yeah. Like yeah, people, and I mean, if you're going to put up that photograph, at least have the decency to block out people's faces and the absolutely. name of the school.
10: Absolutely, you know. I mean, it's it's not acceptable to take photographs and share photographs of people without without their knowledge, and nobody knows the situation. Nobody. Like it's it's so easy to look at a photograph out of context and, and pass judgment. You 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 don't know the situation. Um, I do think there's obviously still some shared school runs and things having to happen because practicality has come in into things, you know. Um, dreadful shortage of school buses, Jen. Shortage of school buses. I mean, I'm seeing it here, even. the I'm in Dublin and my kids getting the... Standard Dublin bus. There was reduced capacity, and they're finding it hard to get to school. So parents are sharing runs with staggered openings and closings. Mm. They're sharing a couple of runs there too. It, it isn't it, ideals aren't always possible to follow through on.
2: Yeah. Tell me, Jen. Seeing as you mm. mentioned it, is it a bit scary being in Dublin at the moment?
10: Oh yeah. You know, it, it's just a bit. I suppose there's a real awareness that maybe there's a heightened risk. That is, it is definitely a new kind of a fear but I think it's, it's just kind of sad to think of what we're facing into and um, the new restrictions and you know that they're necessary you appreciate the public health they're making their recommendations but it's still it's, it's kind of sad it's just sad going into the weekend knowing what we're looking into
2: yeah well thinking that we had been out of it and then yeah. looking at going back into it yeah mm. well listen I wish you well with it stay Thank safe you. up there Thank you, and you too. Cheers, Jen. That's Jen Hogan, the Irish Times. 1850 uh, 715 Yeah, some of the things that Dublin is facing, one of the key measures is aimed at people's homes There can be visitors, but from just one other household. That could be cut even more. It might be hard to get a table if you want to get out for a bit of dinner because there's new social distance rules, but also they may have to keep you outside, which will be grand, hopefully, on a night like tonight, but, you know, it's going to be hard. If you have outside dining space, the business can stay open. Some of the masses and religious ceremonies will be going online again. Uh, Gyms will be open, but no spinning, no group classes, um, no travel into or out of County Dublin, unless it's for essential purposes. Schools will stay open, uh, but then most of the third-level colleges Will will keep their students off campus and have online learning. Not a hard time ahead for people planning weddings. Shops and hairdressers and beauticians will stay open, but social distancing face masks the whole thing. So they're facing into a tough few weeks in
1: Dublin. You're listening to highlights from the opinion line on Cork's ninety-six FM. To hear the full show, download the podcast from iTunes or c96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM.
2: Just listening to that story about the Green List in the news it reminded me of a comment I missed earlier on Hi, PJ, this country has gone down the ocean. Green List is a joke, government is a joke. In the next few weeks, there could be 20,000 jobs lost. And this government's just sitting down. Cork could be on the verge of closing down. Cork Airport could be on the verge of closing down. Well, there's no official word to that respect. But, yes, people are very worried about Cork Airport and even more so worried about Shannon Airport. But they've said that they will move to the European system, the EC, European Centre for Disease Control System, Uh, in the next couple of weeks so maybe we will get a change maybe we will be able to go to more places you know Ryanair will say what Ryanair wants to say to suit Ryanair but to be fair to Eddie Wilson when it comes to the numbers he's right that our incidence is now way higher than a lot of the places we're not allowed to go to or not supposed to go to so he's got a point there he's got a point. Marion says I'm very surprised at the conversation taking place about schools. It's no different to what's been going on caravan parks and pubs serving food. Even when the rules are followed strictly, once you go outside the gate of a park or the door of a pub, they're all hanging around laughing and joking. At this stage now, I think we've two options, either strict enforcement or let it rip. The government has to choose. People are starting to give up because what's the point when you walk through a pavement outside a pub and there's people coughing all over you? Or people just marching through supermarkets, coughing and sneezing? With no masks. If I was the government, I'd shut up and suddenly unveil a new law and say from now on, it's going to be like this. Because their approach is just totally discredited now. That's from Marion. eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. 15996 Text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. The email opinion at 96 vmie Coming up in a while, the incredible story of Magella Moynihan and uh, her life and times in the guards and a forced adoption and losing her son, and how her career and the career she, her dream career, was destroyed. Uh, That's all coming up this hour. But first of all, back to schools. I read from our own newsroom that there is a delay in the tender for the Carrick Tool Schools project, it won't be tendered now until early 2021. Lorraine O'Connell is from the school pressure group down there. Uh, Lorraine, good morning.
11: Good morning, PJ. How are you?
2: I'm well. Uh, you must be frustrated yet again. We all, we all thought this was sorted.
11: We did, and I suppose frustration and patience levels down here now have oh, we're gone past that, PJ, this morning. We are very, very angry, very, very angry this morning. Um, huge amount of work has gone on in the background with the, the School Committee with putting pressure on people over the last few months, particularly when on the 3rd of July we were told that planning permission had gone ahead and that there would be no p- appeals to onboard Panala. Um In the natural run of events, what generally happens then is the process is put out to e-tender. And in general, that should be about a three-month period. Um, We have been told yesterday um, that, unfortunately, this has now been put out quarter one of next year, of 2021. And I suppose history repeating itself, you know yourself, PJ, that quarter one will end on the the end of March. Hmm. But that's going to be, there's going to be another delay. Have they given you a reason why? Absolutely not. They haven't. And we have been... I suppose, hounding our new Minister for Education, Norma Foley, um, for a response to this, and unfortunately she's fallen short of giving us a straight answer. She, um, over the last, I think, five weeks, it's been the same line over and over and over again that it's just been spat out um, the same response is that we are working together, we are doing this, that, that they're actually doing nothing. Um, working pizza.
4: together,
2: God almighty. that drive you demented? At Listen, least I suppose they have had the decency not to try to blame it on COVID-19.
11: Well, this is coming down the line, PJ. I mean, they're going to start now saying, oh, it's because of this, that and the other. I mean, they're going to blame everything now, but actually look at themselves. So I suppose we've targeted in the background for a number of months, we've targeted our councillors, our local TDs and everybody else. So... Our strategy going forward now is just going to be, we feel that there's three people at play here. Um, we have Michal McGrath, who is the money man. He's our Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform. We have the Taoiseach, Micheal Martin, who lives within 20 kilometres here of Caritool. Um And I'm now, I checked back my diary, I am 12 months and three weeks waiting for a return call from Minister Martin's office. Um, and we have Norma Foley, our new Minister for Education, who has... A, has a connection here in Carrad-tool. a school
2: teacher herself who knows the yes. importance of a good building project
11: exactly and she taught here in Karitool so she, i mean there is yes she did she taught in, in St. Al's here in Tool so she does have a connection now uh, in the grand scheme of things that shouldn't make any difference but they're the but she knows
2: people. the area arrangement. she'll know Listen. she'll know your case
11: exactly they all do a pj and none of them can say that they don't the other frustrating part of it is we have spoken to all these elected representatives and asked them that despite whatever political party they come from, that they work together. We turned on Twitter yesterday and we have a spat then between James O'Connor and Sean Sherlock. I mean, ridiculous carry-on. I mean, they really need to get their finger out now and stop wasting time trying to score political points off each other on Twitter.
2: Yeah, I saw did his video justice. actually about it. Um, he, he was most upset on your behalf. He is,
11: he is, and uh, I mean, I watched it last night, and you look at it in the doll, and you see Sean literally surrounded by nobody. He, nobody's there. Nobody's in the doll listening to him. There's one person in the corner. I mean, it's, it must be soul destroying for everybody because Sean and our David Stanton and all those guys are getting the same response from Minister Foley as we are. Exactly the same response. And the time now is for us. They're the three people we'll be putting pressure on from now on. Um, Discussions have been ongoing in the background as well, PJ, with BAM and the Council. Um, Verbally, we've been told the hold-up is not from their end. So today now we're going to call out all of them, ask them to come and meet us. Minister Foley has completely ignored us. Um, Any requests that we have put in to come and meet us and discuss it. Micheál Martin hasn't done a thing. And Michail McGrath, the man with the money, is in hiding. So that's where we stand at the moment. And these e-tenders, uh, PJ, there's a standard school building. There's, I think there's about eight or nine of them that are just placed on these sites. And this is what you build. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not...
2: We're, not looking, <laughs> to, we're not looking to build the Eiffel Tower here.
11: We're not. And we're not looking to reinvent the wheel either. These things are all put in place. It should really be just a matter of course. And the problem is that nobody, no one will give anyone a straight answer. It's an absolute disgrace. The political point scoring off each other has to stop. The schools have now been forced to grow in a pandemic with n- a no e- existing permanent buildings in temporary accommodation. Every school, is, I know, every school is struggling in the current situation, PJ. But our schools are being fo- forced to grow hugely in this into porta cabins.
2: Looking a bit more into what was reported by our own newsroom here, they said that the project management team is working on preparing tender documents for the appointment of a contractor. Now, there must be a draft set of tender documents or a template that you just change the words on. I mean, it's, you know... Well,
11: I spoke to somebody that would be very knowledgeable about the whole situation yesterday, and he told me that at this point it should be at least 75% ready to go, at the minimum, because they've known all along, the plans are there, the planning commission is done, everything is effectively ready to go, and this e-tender should at least be 70 or 80%. But that's not, that was the response from the Minister five weeks ago. And then yesterday we find out that it was, it's being pushed now to quarter one, 2021.
2: Which, of course, may well fall into quarter two, which brings okay. us into the summer time, which means nothing will be done. So, really, when will the children be taking their school bags into their new building? God alone knows.
11: Well, effectively at the moment, PJ, you're probably looking at the children that are in the schools at the moment. It's not likely that a lot of them will see a new building. Friday. It's really not likely. I mean, you're looking at, they, they told us eight years ago that we'd be put on a rapid build. Well, now, PJ, if this is rapid, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it's gone beyond what we what's manageable down here for the children, um, for the parents, the teachers that are working in these conditions, for everybody. And the patients that we have, I suppose, put out there, we had a march, we've tried to do everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the political way and using our ladders using our local councillors our TDs the time is gone for that PJ now unfortunately we can't have marches or anything like that but we're actually now officially calling out the three representatives public representatives to come and meet us and let somebody explain to us and tell us around the table what the hell is going on because the time has come now there's no more can't be any more excuses PJ All
2: right, Lorraine leave it there thank you that's Lorraine O'Connell you can hear the frustration in her voice from the Carrick Tool School Pressure Group we've been following this story for a very long time they got the planning permission, everything was okay, supposed to be hunky-dory tender process getting underway contracts being drawn up and now into the first quarter of 2021 and no explanation, that is what would drive me daft if I was involved in it, no explanation whatever
1: This is Court's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show, The Opinion Line, with PJ Coogan.
10: Text or WhatsApp now, 0833-969696.
1: On Court's 96FM.
2: So we're talking about this... Story from Carrick Tool, a story listeners will be very familiar with because we've been covering it now for quite some time. This is the new schools project uh, in in Carrick Tool, which we were following as they were trying to get planning permission and trying to get the go ahead. They got that. And then it goes to tender, as these things do. And they got word earlier this week that the tender process, which was supposed to be finalized this side of Christmas, is now gone into 2021 first quarter no explanation given and as you can imagine they're livid Uh, I was talking to Lorraine she mentioned uh, Finfall TD James O'Connor James good morning good morning PJ any explanation for these poor people
7: there is a very clear explanation that was given by the Minister for Education's office yesterday, and we sought further clarity. I spoke with Norma on three occasions yesterday. I spoke in the doll which wasn't mentioned by your previous speaker, prior to Deputy Sherlock to make the very same points about bringing this process forward as quickly as possible. And what I am confused with here, PJ, is that this situation, which has been dragging on since 2012, and similar projects were completed within three years at the same year that these, this project was originally put on the table for discussion, uh, were, was actually coming to an end with the tendering process being announced yeah. that a date was being given that this was going to be done in Q1 of 2021 which was very significant and positive news in, in, in light of everything that's going on and I was deeply baffled yesterday by a tweet that was put out that was criticising this okay, Hold um, on, hold on,
2: you mentioned an explanation, what is it? The
7: explanation is that in quarter one of 2021, the tendering for this school will be put out. Well, that means that the very final stage that we have to go through... No, that's the not an explanation. It is no, 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 that's no, the no, official it's not. Word from the Minister it was supposed for Education. to
2: happen this, quor- or this quarter or the next. This it Minister for
7: Education never made any commitment to me as a TD in Cork East that this was going to be completed... Because that she wasn't the scale.
2: Minister for Education when it happened. But there was a commitment to go for it at the end of this year, not the start of next. Of course Norma Foley didn't do that because she was a minister at the time, but it's been changed now and the people want an explanation. Well, I can certainly seek that explanation
7: for those individuals if they would like to email my office or or give us a call this morning and we will do that and try and get that to them before the end of the day. We must be realistic. We're in the middle of a global pandemic the, the, I, the idea that this is a so-called slowdown has me to some degree baffled. because It's, it's, it's an
2: e-tendering process. It's yes, done on it, computer. It, it I, COVID-19 I, I, has nothing to do with
7: it. PJ, I spoke yesterday with the Minister for Education on three separate occasions about this project. I met with her in July. I explained about all of the very serious delays that had been put in place because of, of mistakes that were made by the department in two previous governments just to put this into perspective and, and to get a, a clear idea of what we but are talking about here. The previous and, government, I have, the previous I have, I have, government, I have to, I have to defend Norman on this one because she's been absolutely excellent in terms of keeping in contact with us and all of her correspondence that has been going in. I know that I'm not the only deputy that's keeping in touch, but what I have a problem with here is that there was an attempt
2: yesterday to stir a degree of controversy from a, a, a Labour TD. No, hold on, so, so we, we, we've, we've asked Deputy Sherlock to speak with us, and unfortunately he's not available this morning, but we'll talk to him Monday. But, and, you know, rather than having a, a spat on social media, the simple fact is that your minister... Is the minister now, admittedly, and is not responsible for the decisions of the previous minister, but the decisions of her predecessor was, or the department run by her predecessor, was that this tender process would go out at the end of 2020. Now it goes into 2021, and she has no explanation for that. Well, I, I, as I said, PJ, I will seek
7: clarification and I will send that correspondence to you down immediately if you would like that. We'll try and get that for you now. I hope the
2: question is framed in such a simple way. I quoted
7: word for word what you said, PJ, to the Minister for Education. But I want to be absolutely clear here. I got a commitment from Norma that she was going to do everything she could possibly do to ensure that this project was going to get underway as soon as possible. When, I, when, when, when we went into government just a few short weeks ago. I have gotten that from Norma. She has been engaging with me on a regular but, basis. But you are, a, t- you are a TD.
2: You are a TD for the, for the constituency a, since and, and February. And am, so and, and, therefore you huge know... an, an enormous yeah. honour and I'm very aware yes, of it. Yes, and yes, i spoke yes, spoken to you before you? about this, Peter. Yes, yes. I, well, on on. I want
7: to be quite clear, and this is very very important to get yes, across, okay, right? Okay, okay. And you know me long enough to know that I do work hard on very yes, serious I'm issues. I'm not
2: questioning that, but I was about to say something to you. And think this. You're a TD since the 9th or 10th of February after the election for Cork, for Cork East. So, you surely knew that there was a previous commitment to tender this before the end of the year. If you didn't, in you the, weren't
7: yes, your of, cor- of, course ha- of course, we all were quite aware that that was the situation, and that was prior to COVID. I have put in parliamentary questions, spoke to ministers about this. Uh, we've been actively engaging on it since I was first elected here, which was one of the very first issues that we were working on. Now, the quarter one in 2021, from my understanding, sounds like this will be January or February of next year. And I am hammering home that point to the department to make sure that this is done, that this is completed. And I feel that the parents that are out there in the community, they do deserve this to be pressed ahead as a matter of urgency. I had conversations yesterday as well with the chief of staff of the government uh, at the Taoiseach's office to make sure that every consideration is given to make sure that this is going to get underway as soon as I mean, possible. I'm surprised,
2: though, that in talking to Norman Foley a couple of times and in talking to the uh, Taoiseach's chief of staff and talking to all these people, you never asked the question why it's delayed. In terms of why it's delayed? Yeah, why an agreed tendering process has been delayed. Did you ask that question of anybody? Well, PJ, the explanation for that is absolutely clear to anybody.
7: we're in the Please, middle of a we're, global, we're in the middle of a global pandemic and the entire economy, the building sector, was shut down during the start of lockdown. That We're James, only talking about a couple James, of weeks you here, can't
2: get a pl- no. You, you can't get a plumber now. The building contractors are as busy as they've ever been. So that's, that's, the, the tender process was... And if it's blamed on COVID-19... Why weren't the people told it's because of COVID 19? Is COVID 19 a convenient excuse? Well, PJ, my issue here is
7: uh, 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 what, I, what I was called out on there by the previous one. Is being, I was attacked uh, yesterday on a newspaper publication in North Cork by Deputy Sherlock, followed on by a video that he put up to stir a significant amount of controversy on a highly emotive topic which we all can agree that... All he that's said was
2: it's a significant delay and he's worried about the implication for the young people and their families. That's there, all he said. There,
7: there is no significant delay here of marriage to cause a degree of controversy around this. They've this been is, waiting this since this 2012. Is, They've yes, been going this, through this, the this hoops is, for years. For the current Fianna Fáil government, this is an absolutely top priority, PJ. And I want to be absolutely
2: clear with every parent that is out there well, listening to the teachers It's a, and a top priority. It's a top priority, but I think you should be seeking an explanation... Other than the blanket excuse of COVID-19, which at this stage, if but, it but rains he, he, too he, much, we'll blame you on covid But
7: TJ, that's ridiculous about the blanket explanation of COVID-19. Well, you don't understand you, that the you, Department of Education and their building projects unit as well have been putting extraordinary work to try to get a million staff and kids and children back into schools, trying to get all of the schools around the country up yeah. to date to actually c- cater yeah. for this. But, Do you not think that but, is reasonable? But this is an electronic tender process. It could have been started anyway. It's the same staff at the department. And and building but Pj, it's the same staff at the Department of Education. They've been working on trying to retrofit thousands of schools around the country. And we're talking here about a very this minor delay you? of a this couple of weeks into quarter quarter one of 2021. Have you children, have James? From, but p- 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 have I'm you p- children? I'm 23 PJ. Yeah, you actually
2: you haven't. So therefore you don't know what it's like to have a child waiting for a school place, PJ, That's outrageous, right? And no, I'm on, it, I'm on the phone. Fo- yes, it is outrageous,
7: weeks, PJ. That's, that's very. That's, that's, that's actually that, that, that's incredibly incredibly ill-informed for you to say to me. I'm on the phone is it every the day. Outrageous? Yes, it is because I'm on the phone every single day. I have a parents crying into my arms when a on the door. I, I have and it's, it's one of the most difficult things we came across I knocked on as many doors as I could in the local elections, in the general elections and parents out there, including ones that you've been on the phone with, yeah. on your radio show the lady from Castle Martyr, I sat inside in their living rooms to discuss this issue with them and just because I don't have kids doesn't mean I'm a proper public representative.
2: That's not what I said James. It is exactly That's what you said. What you I don't said. have kids and you don't understand. What I said was what I said was you said it's a short delay it's a short P- delay. PJ, hang on a second now. I, 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 what you
7: said to me there, I want to just go back to you, yes. about the fact that I have no children.
2: Why are you taking it so personally? It's a short delay. Hang on, James. You're not a parent of a child looking for the school place. That wasn't that's the situation. Should... That
7: wasn't what you said, PJ, to me. Now, I want to be very clear and go back here to the substantive issue in front of us. I spoke with the minister that has entire responsibility over this project, Right. I have told her how important it is on numerous occasions. Norma actually taught in, in, in Carrie before before,
13: yeah.
7: before she ever became a minister. She is very, very fond of the area. She knows about the situation, how ridiculous it is because of the mistakes that were made in 2013, when they weren't made in other constituencies, and how much of a lack of a priority it was for previous governments to address. This, to me, is the single largest infrastructure project that's in front of the government that needs to be dealt with in the short-term period. I am pushing this with the minister.
2: Well, can um, we get we, an explanation
7: know, then for the people?
2: Uh, with, rather
7: with the, than rather I, I than, just gave you an explanation. Every school in the country had to go under significant... Can retrofit. we have that
2: from the minister?
7: I will ask the Minister for an explanation for that, but it's, I, I, I thought I'd explained that quite well mm-hmm. to you. But I want to make sure that people who are listening here today will, on will, the will, show... Will the Minister meet the committee? But, but I've actually invited the Minister on two separate occasions to come, come to County Cork, to come to Cary uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm gladly hearing that she's very much willing to do that. She's currently not undertaking any tours because of the risks of COVID, and that's yeah. fair enough, but I'm sure that she will be out with us very, very soon. I've asked her down, and she does want to come down.
2: Right, Right, that's fine. By the way,
7: just... PJ, I want to just clarify this once more because I think everybody that's out there deserves some degree of an update, an explanation, and there's been a lot of misinformation discussed around this over the last two days, right? This is going to be tendered as early as possible at the start of next year, which is only a number of weeks away. That is very positive and significant news when you take into consideration that this omni-shambles has been dragging on since 2012. And I, as a TD, have done more than any deputy in the Dáil since the election in February to push this on the agenda. And I get no reference, no mention from anything, and the people that are having a cut-off of me on Facebook and on social media and in local newspapers, including TDs, which I'm only responding to need to be highly aware of that fact. And people out there need to understand that sometimes when people show up to a public meeting, the follow-up after that is not necessarily what's actually the case and what is expected. We have done the grafting here on this. We've asked the questions, we're pushing this, and I want to make sure that everybody out there is highly aware of the fact that the Minister for Education here is almost red for me from trying to get this issue pushed along. And I have to say a thank you to her because she's been engaging with us on a very active basis. Her predecessor her
2: predecessor in yes. had it nailed down. Her predecessor had arranged for a tendering process to begin before the end of this year. Her predecessor was involved in getting the planning permission. She's the one delaying it. She's
7: not delaying it. PJ, I can't understand. Your, your, that, that's a false accusation. Norma Foley is not delaying this project. Her department is. They're not, and PJ, could you, can you not understand, the buildings unit at the Department of Education and all the staff at the Department of Education have been trying to get a monumental amount of people back to school at the month of September. We trying all know to get that, but, but James, August. are you missing
2: something? This I'm is, not missing anything you are missing here, something. And I, I told you, I took you back question This a, is about, an oh. electronic project. There's no personal PJ, involvement PJ, at it, it all. Is. It's an electronic
7: project. But, OK, if that's the ground, so why was Deputy Sherlock inquiring as a former Minister of State who served in that department yes. for this to be dragged forward?
2: Because of the simple reason is when he was a Minister of State at the department, they had the whole thing nailed down. No, they didn't. That's completely false. They had a tender ready to start this year. and no, so When Deputy Sherlock
7: didn't... was a Minister of State at the Department of Education, there was no tendering.
2: Nothing. The department's project management team, it says it here tender for carry Tool project delayed until and early 2020. There that, PJ. Delayed until early 2021. Is, is there a the committee that? were in under the dis- impression after, after planning permission was granted, the committee were given to understand that there would be a tendering begin by the end of 2020. Now it's back to 2021, without explanation, that's all.
7: Without explanation, well, I, as I said to you, and I said it at the start of the interview, because I want to be very coherent and honest and upfront with you, I will ask directly for an answer to that question, right? And I will come back to you and I, I give you that commitment at okay. the start of this interview. And, and you I will can do imagine that why today. people are
2: so frustrated. They're nine years I, I am
7: frustrated. No. I think anybody listening today can hear the frustration of my voice around this. Mm. We've been trying to move mountains to make sure that this project will happen. There oh. is absolutely no questioning. The single largest issue before the pandemic hit in East Cork, from Cove and Glanmire down to Yall, all over that region of our county, was the fact that kids could not get school places. Yeah. We're doing everything we can to make sure that happens in the County Development Plan review. We're going to try and make sure there's appropriate ground zone for new school buildings. I'm working with groups in Middleton as well to try and make sure that happens. We're expecting extensions to go on in schools in Yale. We're expecting work to be done on the Patrician Academy in Mallow to right. rebuild and upgrade it and to get children out of prefabs and into okay. classrooms. And I just want to make sure because I listened to the contribution just before I came on, come on, came on here today. Uh, about some of the the, 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 the degree of anger that's out there around comments that I made yesterday. I want to make sure people are fully aware of the fact that I'm defending myself, which is necessary. Uh, And I will always do that. And I will always stick up for what I want to try and achieve and get done. But I want to finish off with the message that I want every parent out there that has children that are attending these proposed new school buildings and that will be attending these proposed new school buildings. Proposed? Sorry, hold on.
2: Proposed? But but
7: they're not built yet. You you know what I'm referring to, that this is a top priority for the government and I'm working with everyone that I possibly can to try and get this over the line. And if they want to get in touch with my office after today's interview, or those that have been in touch with us before, and we have been in touch with some people, uh, they can happily do so, and I'd be very, very happy to sit down and meet with anyone to discuss it.
2: Okay. Okay. All right, James, thank you very much. James O'Connor, Finnfall TD for, for Cork East. Is there an explanation? He says he'll get it. He puts it down to COVID-19 but he's not the minister he can't put it down to COVID-19 is the minister going to put it down to COVID-19 we will see Lorraine was listening well hello hello there hello Lorraine what did you think of
11: that <laughs> uh, I, not a whole ton because I stopped counting at 18 eyes because it's I I I I I me I I there is absolutely no joined up thinking here and after his conversation PJ I'm even more concerned Because his final mention there about being picked on for social media posts and angry about social media posts, I'm not angry about social media posts. I couldn't care less. We couldn't care less down here what he does. But let him put something into place and get Norma Foley down here to meet us. He then repeats, what did he say? He said that he has asked her twice to come down here. And because of COVID now is another excuse that he can't come down. He also said that this was recent, I think, if I can if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Um, Recent, he was in nappies when there was meetings going on about these schools, PJ. I mean, he's suddenly come out of the woodwork now after, in the last few weeks. And he's come out of nowhere. I don't recall seeing him at our march. I don't recall seeing him at our meetings. He may have been at one, but I've gone through the notes. I don't see any any record of him being there. Um, He says he's frustrated. I mean, honestly, PJ. Absolutely
2: a no, look, he's a young t d he's only newly elected. he t- took umbrage when I asked him, had he children of his own uh, to see to try and get into his head that he can't empathize with children when you don't have them. That's you can't do that. That's just you can't empathise with a parent's needs if you don't have children. Someone you can't, to...
11: and, and that's across the board. No matter what type of a child you have, if you have a child with special needs, you can't. Unless you are in the position yourself, you can't empathise with anybody. James also alluded to the fact that he, you know, he was went around his electoral area and he was people were crying in his arms. Well, he certainly didn't come to my door, and I don't live in Castle Martyr I live in Howitts. He wasn't at my door, and he wasn't at any of my neighbours' doors, oh. as were none of them. Okay. Now, maybe they knew where I lived, PJ. I don't know. But they certainly no. weren't knocking at my doors looking for votes.
2: No, I asked so, him about an explanation and, and he puts it down too. And I suppose there's merit in it, even though I argued with him on it. He said the entire sense. the entire effort of the Department of Education, every part of the Department of Education at the moment is focused on getting children back to school, getting the schools up and running and dealing with the threat of COVID-19. That, And, and I suppose that's a fair argument. But, but absolutely. It... And
11: I, I did allude to that when I spoke to you, PJ, and that's absolutely. this. There was no pandemic eight years ago. There was no pandemic in 2012, 2013, 2014, right up to this, to 2020. There has been no pandemic. There has been... Just an, a bucket load of messes. Two failed planning permissions and now we're at this. Planning permission goes through, everything's great, and now we have this. And it is his Minister's responsibility, and it is his Minister's responsibility going forward to make sure that somebody gets this over the line.
2: Okay. We'll leave it there for today, Lorraine. And thanks very much. You came back to me after listening to James O'Connor. We will hopefully talk to Sean Sherlock on Monday. He's not available to us right now. Rosheen on WhatsApp. In my opinion, using the pandemic as an excuse for the delay. My husband works as project manager in a County Cork construction company. They have projects all over Ireland and Europe. Uh, they have not stopped working at any stage. All projects have gone ahead as planned. All new projects started. If anything, they upped their game to make sure nothing was slowed down. Tenders could easily have been done and dusted right through lockdown. It's ass dragging. Siobhan, oh God, PJ, get that Finnefall TD off the air. He's making my blood boil. Arrogant, obnoxious, full of his own self importance. Finnefall have stumbled from one crisis to another mother Since they came to power, Michal Martin's as meek as milk. How can anyone take them seriously? Uh, grow up! You're showing your age. Uh, if you is, is in an inexperience, if you want to be a public figure, you have to be able to take criticism for people not being happy with you. Uh, now, someone says I was wrong, to unfair, and uh, totally unfair to ask a representative if he has children. It was relevant to the conversation, and I stand over it. By the way, so my God, I've never heard such rubbish. Everything is contradictory and defensive. Uh, please don't mention my name. Why could they not have been working on the tender well before this? The planning's gone on around three years. James is all talk with no results, says Betty. James was all promised during the campaign, hasn't been heard of since, says Mac. Nico Reardon, uh, that deputy Yvonne, I have an explanation, and then no answer. He doesn't have an explanation. Why doesn't he just say it? And there's loads more. Uh, not a lot of love in the room for James O'Connor this morning. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Perhaps it is a part of the pandemic, but let's get it from the Minister's own mouth,
1: please. This is Courts Gold Emro Award winning talk show, The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now 1850 715 996 on Courts
2: 96 FM <laughs> I have been wanting to talk to my next guest ever since I heard a documentary, a radio documentary, one Saturday afternoon as I was pottering around the kitchen at home. And it's a remar- it was a remarkable, a heartbreaking, and in many ways an infuriating documentary about something that happened not in the Dark Ages, but in. Eighties Magella Moynihan wanted to be a guard. I think Magella from when you were a very small girl, good morning to you
9: Good morning. how are you? Right. Yes, yeah, from a very young age, yeah I wanted to be
2: a guard now was that connected to growing up in in, in industrial school or or what i
9: I, I presume it was they say that your past actually you know build you for what's going to happen in the future but for me it was yeah it's like as I said in my book Guarded Life that it was actually the injustices that I had seen and the guards was the one job that I felt that something I could do something to change or to be to listen to the voice of the person that couldn 't speak,
2: yeah, your mom died when you were a very small baby, a year, a year and a half, and you grew up in in care and you were well cared for you've said that in 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 the book um and it was a dream come true when you were accepted into the training oh it
9: was it was it was like i I was six foot seven going in that gate it was um it was it was a dream fulfilled. It was beyond my wildest dreams, and it was just fantastic for me. I felt, yes, here I am. I'm fulfilled now.
2: Now, you you had been in a relationship with another guy before you trained, is that right? That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. So yes. yeah. when you went into training, mm-hmm. did they tell you that was against the rules? Did you know that was against the rules?
9: No, not at all. There was nothing like that ever said to us. No. Like we were 20, 20 years of age. That's what you do. Yeah. So, you know, there were, it wasn't, we weren't told or there was no suggestions to us either that it was frowned upon to have a relationship while you were in Templemore.
2: Yeah. When did you find out and how? When did I find out did, and how did people was... did people question your relationship? Did people notice your relationship? There was something did people tell oh, you there was something yes. wrong with
9: this? Well, it was I was called in on a few occasions and and was told that my affairs of the heart were more important to me than becoming a guard.
2: So they obviously noticed?
9: Oh, they did, and how they did, I don't know, because we thought we were being discreet. But it's it's quite obvious we weren't discreet.
2: Now that would have been, I suppose, annoying with Nels. But Magella, you became you became pregnant. That's right. And and it's fair to say that from that day, all hell broke loose, didn't
9: it? It did. it, It. It went very bad from, we'll say, from the first time that I informed them that I was pregnant. And from there, it was a downward spiral. It was... Um, and the more I tell my story, the, the more I just feel that it was... It was horrific. It Like, it's only the 80s. It's only 36 years ago. It's not... It's the 50s. But it, it was... It was, for me, it was the... The total lack of, not even compassion. The total lack of respect. What was the reaction to
2: your pregnancy?
9: It, the initial reaction was that it was I was a recruit and that you know it was frowned upon and um, it was that I had discredited the force and. There was no support. There was no support whatsoever. It was always just putting me down, putting me down, putting the shame on me, just making me feel so small.
2: And they succeeded in doing that. Now, how did the Garda Commissioner become involved? And better again or worse again, how did the Archbishop of Dublin become involved?
9: Well, you see, the Garda Commissioner was involved because he was notified of... uh, of my pregnancy, when I actually reported to my superintendent in Store Street. Um, so, proceedings, they started proceedings straight away then, and it was just, you know, paper, some papers, we'll say from Store Street to Cardiff headquarters. The proceedings and the for what, Well, they were trying to instigate charges at that particular stage, but the charges weren't preferred against me until later on in '84. So paper was flying back and forth for months when I was pregnant even before I gave my birth to my son and I was I wasn't even aware of that. Yeah. So the when the charges were preferred and all of that that total injustice was preferred against me um I was then notified that I was going to be let go. Right. So As cura were involved already in the in my case, this
2: was the advice agency.
9: Yeah, Yeah. they were affiliated with the Catholic Church, and it was they were already um, involved. So when I heard that I was to be sacked, I went straight to the cura offices and informed the lady there, and then she set up a meeting with the Archbishop of Dublin and with the then commissioner.
2: So Um, it was cura who notified the commissioner to come in. Yes. And, and meet with... Frankie, okay, yeah. okay.
9: Yes, yes, yeah. And what happened at so, that meeting, Majella? Well, I, I wasn't present at that meeting, but um, Nina was oh. present, so she came back and... So they
2: had a meeting about you, without you?
9: Yes, that's that's exactly it. Yes, I love that. Um, they did, and she came back to me and told me then that um, I wasn't to be sacked. And that the reason that I wasn't being sacked was because it would open up the doors for other female guards to go to England and have a abortion. So that was the end of the charges This was This
2: was at the end of a meeting involving the Garda Commissioner, the Archbishop of Dublin, and the Catholic Agency, Cura. That's right. A decision made about you, without you present, to let you stay on in the force in case you'd run off to England and have an abortion.
9: In case, not me, but that other female members would actually go to have an abortion, yes.
2: Now, you had no intention of that. You wanted to have your child. You had your child, and I've been advocating for the rights of adopted people and birth mothers for many, many years, Magella, and when I saw your in 1984, your your, your beautiful child was snatched from your arms at birth.
9: He wasn't even put into my he he was born, and that was it. He was taken. Who took him? The midwife that was there. And? and? And, you know, and I would be very much into, you know, the stories of the Madeline Laundry and, in, you know, the Cannes Report and all of this mother and baby homes. And it's, it, it's just, it, there are no words to describe what Irish society did to women back then.
2: To whom? To to whom was he given when he was taken from you?
9: He was taken, and I presume it was the nursery he was brought to. So the abandonment of him, and the abandonment of me.
2: And you never saw him again until he was a grown man.
9: Oh no, I did. Never. I did oh, you see did. him. Okay. I did. I did see him again. Yeah, I saw him when I went down to the nursery the next day, and I wasn't allowed to hold him or anything, but I did see him, and um, I did see him. Okay. And then when the the social worker came into the hospital, she brought him up to the room. But again, I didn't hold him. I just, just saw him there harder, on the bed. Yeah, it, it it was just it was just tearing did, at my heart. Did trance, you consent it, to him being adopted? <sighs> well, that's a hard question for me. I signed the papers. Okay. Under the US yes. and the the mental state I was in, I was in no place to sign any papers. And my son was brought to his adopted family at 10 weeks old. And so they had it already decided that my son was going for adoption.
2: And then, as if things couldn't get worse,
9: they got worse. Oh, it, it, it... I thought at the end of that, that, you know, that when the charges were dropped, and I thought... At least they leave me get on now because I was fully attested at that stage, so that meant I had my two years completed. Um, So I thought, well, you know, this is horrific what they've done to me, but they're going to leave me okay now and everything, you know, and I will build my life and I will try the best I can do. But what they did after that in February of 85, no, February of 85, I got the caution. And I'm not sure, I can't even think of the date of the sworn inquiry. But that sworn inquiry, it just rattled me. It rattled every belief I had in the guards. And it it was... What were they inquiring into? They were inquiring into how I became pregnant. Was he the father of my child? How many more... How many times did I have sexual relationships with other men? Did I have a sexual relationship with anybody else after I had it with the father of my child? Um, Am I sure that they are the right dates? Are you sure that he is the father? Um, You had a kidney infection and they asked the doctor, um, would that be her lifestyle? So they were just insinuating, insinuating that I was the lowest of the lowest. Okay. Was this and in the that, media,
2: Magella, at the time?
9: No, the sworn inquiry wasn't.
2: No. No, no it wasn't. No. Did, did any media have any idea that this was happening to you?
9: No, they didn't. And At that stage, I was just so, so broken that I, I couldn't speak. I, I just... I I, I, was, I was tortured beyond remission. I, I, I never thought I'd ever come back to the Magella that I was because they had destroyed every single piece of dignity that I ever had.
2: What was the outcome of the inquiry?
9: The outcome of the inquiry was that he was fined £90. Ah, the father of the child? Yes, he was fined ninety pounds, yeah. And it was inconclusive because what they were saying is that my dates were my dates were wrong. My dates were a hundred percent, but it was just another you know, another thing for them to knock me down. And and they did everything they could possibly do to bring me or for me to do harm to me. To and break, I did to that. break you. They did. They did everything to break me, and they did break me. They did. They broke me, but I came back to the light.
2: How did that happen?
9: I I, I just after many years of going to counselling and speaking to people, and uh, the, the the light shone for me. I just knew then that it was a token of character of justice. It was just. My civil rights had been violated. Everything had been violated, and 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 the sadness of, of all of this is that I wouldn't. My child is gone, yeah. and that's no. It could ever bring it. Back.
2: I know, Magella. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't mean to bring you to tears. <laughs> um, you did meet your son as a as a man many years later. How did that go?
9: I did. It was lovely. It was really. It was um it was what I always dreamt of. Yeah. Um put it it still it filled a little bit of the hole, but it didn't fill that hole.
2: That is is he aware of the whole story?
9: He is, yes, yeah.
2: How does he feel about it? He just keeps saying go, girl, go, you know. It's it's is your backer, back Yeah, yeah. That it's must, so be, hard that for
9: must him. be a lot yeah. to you. It, it does, of course, but it's equally as hard for him, well, because,
2: is. you know... He, he they probably they, thinks of what, be, what could have been, you know.
9: And, and I'm the same, what could have it been, you know. Yeah. And and I was listening to a lady yesterday talking about her son that was taken from her in Vesper, and I said, how many of us are out? Thousands, major. It's like, why can't we get together
2: Just to support each other? Because that's what's needed in this country. Yeah. We're not... There are, we're not. There, there are some groups out there, but it's, it's, it's hard for people. Can you tell me, and unfortunately I'm running short of time, Angelica, can anything or anybody or any action ever right this wrong? No.
9: I don't feel they can because the pain is so deep and it's about all the work I've done and everything else yes the apology came a good bit because I was very appreciative of the apology both yes. from the minister and from the commission and um, I, I just wish for me that I'd be able to shelf it shelf the pain and get on with my life with my two sons and Enjoy it for what was denied from me as a young member of study.
2: All right, Magella. The book is called "A Guarded Life: My Story of the Dark Life of the Dark Side of Angarda Shia Okana." Published by Hatchet Books. Thank you for speaking with me today, and every success and happiness for the
1: rest of your life.
9: Thank you so much.
1: You are listening to Highlights from the Opinion Line on Corks ninety six FM. To hear the full show, download the podcast from iTunes or C96FM.ie. The opinion line with PJ Coogan on courts 96FM. Jamie has a remarkable,
2: remarkably brave woman uh, to tell her story. And and the, the memory from this for all of us is this didn't happen in the 60s or the 50s or the 40s. Or even the seventies. This happened in the 80s one five nine nine six. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. The email opinion at 96 mem.ie Mag says there's no words listening to Magella. Hard to believe this was the Ireland of just 36 years ago incredible woman. Listen to her story. Uh, It's horrendous. What I'd like to know is there any consequences for the male guard that involved? Was his career impacted as negatively? Also in Templemore was he called in and given verbal warnings? That's from Ver. Well, after this sworn inquiry, which was like a trial that she was subjected to for no good reason, uh, he was fined £90. That's Answer, Bear. So surprised. Why are we so surprised that the collusion between Gardi and other state bodies? Cast your minds back to the Morris McCabe case. There's a point to be made there. One of the things that jumps out of the story is how she went to Cura, which was a Catholic advice area or agency, rather. And Cura brought in the Garda commissioner. And the commissioner's office also brought in the Bishop of Dublin. And they had a whole meeting about her without her there, and made decisions about her, without her there. She was an adult, a functioning, living, breathing adult, entitled to vote and all these things. And yet they had a meeting about her without her, which I think is just an element of what Ireland was like at that time. I wish Magella all the success for the future. She actually lives in North Cork, she lives, I believe, in Mallow. Um, and I know that my my friend Jer Thomas is an old pal of Magellas, and I know we'll have been listening. And uh, I hope all's going well for you too, Jer, at the moment. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. The church said keeper employed not to promote abortion among young vanguardie. That there was that they thought that was that's an element of it. Yeah, right. Let me move on. I haven't spoken to this man in a while, but he wants to talk about issues. In the markets in Skibbereen and Bantry, where he works and uh, parades his, wa- his wares uh, quite frequently, and that is Ian Bailey. Ian, good morning. Good morning to you. It's been good a while. Morning. It's been a while since we since we spoke.
13: Well, it is, and what a, what, it's a beautiful. Day. I'm sat here in the shadow of St Brendan's Church, between Wolf Tone and St Brendan, yeah. on the most marvellous, cloudless sky yeah. day market day in Bantry I've seen, and it's. There's quite a lot of people, a lot of them are wearing masks now uh, and are are being noticeably cautious about keeping distances.
2: Stunning part of the world. What is the problem that you wanted to raise with the markets, both in Bantry and Skibarine?
13: We have a market manager both here and in Martin in uh, Skibbereen, And there are issues that are ongoing to do with ancient market trading rights in Ireland and the county council, as far as I can read it, are trying to get control over... Well, they've got control over Bantry Market, where I am, and they manage it, and it sort of seems to work well, but they're trying to get control over... Um, that's far too close. I'm sorry, that's far too close. <sighs> sorry, somebody's just come down and sat in a second thing. I, I hate that. Anyway, sorry, so the thing is this, that the uh, county council are trying to get control of the Skibbereen Market, which is an independently run rebel self-managing market, mm-hmm. um, and I'm, I've been asked to, as a lawyer with three degrees of law, to give my opinion and advice on,
2: on, on the matter. Yeah. Markets have become very important, of course, over the last few months in particular. I tell you,
13: they're going to become more and more important because it's the last vestige of social, um, you know, civilization and mixing that we're left with. If you think about it, you know, it's going to be... And this is going to be one hell of a tough winter for everybody. Everybody in Ireland, everybody in West Point. It's going to be probably the toughest winter they've ever
2: had to live through. Because yeah, the markets were, like everything else, were locked down for a while. And, and when they came back, they had to come back with extreme social distancing measures and only half of them came back at one time. How are things yeah. now? Are they, are they back to well, a they so they of sort of normal? Settle,
13: They sort of settle down to a form of new normal. Now, for instance, in Skibbereen Market, which is tomorrow, every Saturday from 10 till 2 we have to now operate a one-way system through the market. Now, that's actually not a great um, burden, should we say, for the for the punters or the traders to live with. But we're constantly having, and I'm doing it all the time. People coming to me and saying, "Hey, hey, hey, stay there, back." And it's funny because they haven't got into the habit yet of keeping a distance. Mm. And it's quite, you know, it's a bit, a little bit frightening. Everybody's quite nervy down here, and sort of edgy and a bit apprehensive about the winter.
2: Well, I think there's a thing, Ian, that in the open air, uh, you can be a little less...
13: It's the best, safest place. And I've i, 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 I taken my bandana off because I'm, I'm talking to you. But I'm a bandana man. I notice a lot of masked men. Yeah. And then there are people with those uh, translucent, uh, you know... Uh, Base shields.
2: Yeah. Shields on them, Yeah. yeah. In general, how do you think the policy is working out?
13: I don't know. All I think I know is that we're going. It's going to, I mean, it looks like Dublin. Dublin, by the way, should have been put under lockdown, in my opinion, humble opinion, about two weeks ago. Um, but it wasn't. Uh, I don't know. Nobody knows. We're really, This is really like Star Trek, heading into totally unknown, unknown territory.
2: Mm. Mm. What do you uh, What do you sell at the market, do you?
13: Well, at the moment today, I'm just I've got a very simple stall. I'm just I don't really have a stall actually. I just wander around and people know me, and I sell my poetry, two books of poetry, the West Cork Way and the, uh, John Wayne State of Mind, and, and seasonal pickles which I make chutney and uh, different pickles of the season from, you know the seasonal harvest. Excellent.
2: Excellent. Now, I think Netflix have been down in West Cork of, of late, and I've come into contact with with, with some people down there. So so I
13: understand from reading the newspapers, yeah. I saw that. Well, you know, I'll tell you very quickly, there's two, two if you like, rival film projects that are being made to do with my particular um, life circumstances. Yeah. Uh, one of them, I've been cooperating with Jim Sheridan now for nearly six years. Uh, and then another party came in very late in the day, um, a company from London called Lightbox, and a man called Simon Chin, who pitched to a company called Netflix, and then Netflix. So I made it quite clear to the Netflix people I wasn't, I couldn't cooperate with them, and I didn't. I gave them a, a little bit of limited access to me in the marketplace, which they they'd be able to get anyway. Yeah. So, um, yeah.
2: And, and what is, Ian? What is rantology?
13: Well, rantology is a concept I've recently come up with because a number of people I knew either in person or on phone clearly needed to have uh, a rant because of whatever. And I've noticed that a lot of people actually, it, some people are handling this covert thing much better than others. Rural isolationists, for instance, tend to, I think we're handling it pretty well. A lot of people get, seem to be getting angry. And, you know... About, everybody about was, Ian? Well, I think it's probably to do with a, a COVID-related sociological syndrome. It, to, I just made that up. But I think it's to do with the restrictions that are being put on people, and they, and they, there's a lot of anger about in people. And I think there's going to be a need for people to have a, have a rant and just get it off their chest. And,
2: and are you providing that as a service? <laughs>
13: <laughs> it's, I, what I do on, on Saturday morning at the Skibbering Market after I set up, I go around all the traders, and this is one trader gave me the idea because he obviously needed a rant a couple of weeks ago. And I say, how how was your week? Everything okay? Anything got your goat or do you need a quick rant? So I'm just practicing, really. <laughs> what kind of things do people say? Well, I've only had two or three occasions of this, but it's been um, like there's, there's two forms of ranting. There's, if you like, coherent ranting, which is fine. And I noticed then there's a bit of incoherent ranting, which isn't, because that's like crazy madness.
2: Give me um, an exam- Give me an example of each, if you could. <laughs> Oh, I it's very difficult for me to do that just like that.
13: But uh, you know, maybe somebody's had a Oh, All right, okay, okay, right. Well, I'll give you an example. Okay, a few weeks ago, we were under the cosh of both the guards and the HSE at the market in Skibbereen. In other words, there were two teams of people going around the guards and the HSE, and the HSE were testing for uh, food sampling and everything. And one guy, another food trader who does wonderful food, clearly needed a rant because of his dealings with the authorities and I realised that so I just, I just listened and I said yeah 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 <laughs> and he, I realised that afterwards he said thank you for that Ian I feel better
1: <laughs>
13: so that's where this sort of idea emanated it, I'm only I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> anyway I just think there's going to be a need for people to have a rant
2: <laughs> um, I'll ask this question carefully you're yeah. an interesting guy with an interesting story to choose yourself as a target for people to rant at?
13: <laughs> well, I think the reason is because I, my particular individual life circumstances have led me along a certain path, which has been very, very tough and long. I'm actually now able, because I understand people's suffering and frustrations, to maybe help them, you know. So... Um, mm. And then I'm writing poetry all the time as well, yes. you see, because I, 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 some of the poetry I've started writing now is definitely covert times-related poetry. Covid
2: times, you mean, is it? Yeah, oh, sorry, I said covert. <laughs> That's something else. Covid times. No, because covert yeah. leads me on to a question. Did, did, you, did you come across a, what you thought was a drone following you?
13: Well, it wasn't so much a drone following me as I became aware last Monday afternoon, I think, around about four or five, where I live out on the prairie in Dumb west, was uh, being subjected to uh, drone um, observation. And I think there was, there was at least one of them, and there may have been two. So what I did as a precautionary measure was just to report the matter to Angada Shia Kana, and they made a, a note of it, and made some inquiries, but it turns out the, the, the laws on privacy and drone law are very, very unclear. Yeah,
2: we've discussed
13: them here, yeah. And, yeah. Right, and, and, and grey... Um, but it's interesting, so yeah. Now, I, I've got a little cue. Do, do you uh,
2: suspect who it might have been? Without no, memory? well, I, I, I thought it might have been
13: the people from Netflix, but they told me it wasn't them, Well right. I, I accept that, you know, if they yeah. say that, but I don't know, I don't know. Right. Now, I can see that I've got a little queue
2: um, building up. You probably to, have a few people who have been listening to the radio and want, no, to, sh- no. and want to shout at you.
13: <laughs> no, 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 I haven't. I've been... I've been I've been keeping a great social distance while I've been talking to you.
2: Okay.
13: Um, yeah. Oh. And anyway, I, and what the other thing I'm doing is I do spontaneous poetry performance in the marketplace. I.e., if somebody wants me to, I will read them one of my poems. Okay.
2: Okay, Greg. Finally, Ian has a question. Uh, hmm. He wants to know: Could I ask you why you conceal your identity in Blarney and Skull with a hat, scarf, and glasses? Oh, hang on, Greg.
13: Blar- Did you say Blarney? No, Bantry. Oh, ban- I, Well, I don't. I, mean, I don't. Just, I wear a bandana because we're required to, and I, I've always worn hats. Right.
2: So you're not trying uh, to. You're not trying to disguise your identity <laughs> for fear of someone will start <laughs> ranting outside of the market square.
13: <laughs> I don't know. Um, no, anyway, yeah. Okay.
2: So, um, thank when, you. When, is the, when is the documentary out that you have been cooperating with? Well, I
13: think, I, we don't know. It's a work in progress. I'm, uh, I think it might be, some, well, it'll be sometime in 2020.
2: Okay. okay. Um, All right. Okay. Yeah. Always, always interesting to, to chat with you, Ian. Thank you very much. Uh, that's Ian Bailey, uh, presently in the market square in Bantry, where he allows people to come up and rent at him and he reads poetry to them and he sometimes sells them spices and chutneys and he's, he's getting on with an interesting life. There are two documentaries coming up. You'll notice that he always mentions his particular life journey. He doesn't mention the story, but we all know the story that he talks about. There were two documentaries due out. One is the one with Jim Sheridan, on which are produced by Jim Sheridan, on which he is cooperating and the other one... ...is a Netflix, which I think it's more than just a one-off. It's a little three-parter that Netflix are doing. It's always an interesting conversation. 1857-15996. Quick mention. uh, Marion's daughter was supposed to get married tomorrow. Amy Kelly uh, marrying Mark Piper. It's their second time having to cancel. It was supposed to be November. Then they brought it back to September, to tomorrow, in fact. And hopefully now in April 2021. They are going for a night away tomorrow in the Rochester Park to mark the day, but it's very disappointing that they've had a tough year. Yeah, that's tough for anybody. And can I just at this point uh, pop in for 20 seconds and mention a good friend, friend of the opinion line, and a personal friend, Gareth O'Callaghan, and uh, his lovely partner, Paula, who became man and wife yesterday? Uh, delighted for Gareth and for Paula. And congratulations to you both. 1850 715 We've had a statement in from the Parents Association in Carrie Tool with regard to the school project. Do that next.
1: This is Courts Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call
4: us now.
10: 1850
1: 715 On Courts 96 FM.
4: Going
2: back to Carrie Tool and the story of the school in Carrie Tool, which, as we heard earlier on, the tender process for that has now been put back into the first quarter of 2021. And I spoke to Lorraine about the feelings of the locals, and they are not happy. And then I spoke to Deputy James O'Connor of Fianna Fáil, who defended the Minister for Education Norma Foley, but still isn't able to explain the reason for the um, tender process being put back. His idea is that it may be COVID related, it may be down to the building, work, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, he said he'd come back with an explanation because I suggested to him that maybe he could get an explanation rather than just accepting that it has to be done this has brought a statement, my conversations earlier this morning has brought a statement from Carrie Toole Parents Association who say, as a committee, we travelled to Leinster House in June 2019 and we met with the then Minister, Joe McHugh, with uh, Deputy Sean Sherlock, Deputy David Stantons and uh, Deputy uh, was it no, no, uh, Kevin O'Keefe at the time and other representatives. There's no confusion. to be very clear, the plan was always to have the tender process completed by the end of this year. We will not accept swipes from the new government that it's the old government to blame. To speak in facts under the old government, the tender process was to be completed before the end of this year. The former minister and former government parties fully engaged with us. The new government has now delayed the project and will not engage with us. Ms Foley, a former teacher in Carrie Tool, will not return calls from the committee and has not responded to our requests for a meeting. To be very clear, we will not accept COVID as an excuse here for the delays. All government departments did continue to work from home. We will also not accept the excuse of refusing us a meeting due to COVID. We've today requested that Ms Foley's office provides the committee with the proposed meeting date online. So they're offering to do a Zoom. As a committee, we'd like to request by the end of the day, as Deputy O'Connor advised that he would seek it, an explanation as to why the project is now delayed. That statement, to just highlights from it, that statement is signed by Mary O'Brien Williams, Secretary of the Carrick Tool Parents Association. It continues. Interesting piece in the Sunday Times, interesting supplement in the Sunday Times that come together with um, small businesses to to deal with the pandemic and to try to support small to medium enterprises through the pandemic. The paper's produced a two-part broadsheet supplement. The first part is this Sunday and the second on the 4th of October, the following Sunday. Uh, That's two weeks later. and it's 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 an Ireland Together is a non-profit group and they're working with the Sunday Times uh, to put this together. Joanne Griffiths is the founder of Ireland Together. Joanne, good morning.
9: Good morning, PJ. How are you?
2: Good. It's a big tie-in for yourself, a small but thriving outfit with a a huge newspaper.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting how it came about. uh, This community of Ireland Together really only started on the 1st of April this year. um, And now we have over about... 500 business leaders who have come together online to just connect and collaborate. And we're trying to innovate our way through the unfolding recession.
2: Mm. Tell me a bit about it. How was it founded? Whose idea was it?
4: Uh, Well, a few of us came together uh, during lockdown in March and we felt like it was time to pay it forward. Um, It was suddenly a time where we had... The luxury of having time on our hands um, and we felt that we should uh, pay something forward so we set about trying to build something around the 18th of march and by the first of april we had launched our website um and sign-ins came we crashed it on the first day sign-ins came up thick and fast um and we didn't know really what the need was out there but we realized very quickly that people were suffering from social isolation um, immediately because of lockdown so if you're a small business leader um, and you're in a vacuum by yourself trying to make some very difficult decisions during a very uncertain time. Um, that's really where we got most of the outreach in the beginning. And after that, it became, you know, working on remote working technologies, as well as the challenges that we face around privacy and security and communicating online. Mm, kind of online. hive
2: mind where you'd all collaborate and assist each other.
4: Yeah, and it works. So no, it was certainly experimental. Um, but what we found is our ethos is based on reciprocity. Um, so it's a completely pro bono uh, community. There's no money uh, that exchanges hands. We're all doing it for free. Um, and... We will, um, we realize essentially that none of us is smarter than all of us together. So we all have something individual to give to the community, and we all have things that we can learn from each other. Um, and we're all willing to give that, pay that forward to so, essentially incre- increase the collective brain, I guess, yeah. of the
2: community. So, so, what are the kind of things that, as it were, tax that collective brain? What things in particular?
4: Well, like I said, in the beginning, it was really just um, a sense of community, and then it was the remote working, and and we take a sentiment from our members as they sign up. And the next biggest challenge, really, is how to communicate in this new kind of physically distant world we have. In a much noisier world online, how do you stand out? How do you do digital sales? What does content marketing look like? How do you reach your audience now that you can't have in-person meetings? So we do have a number of workshops around that uh, where people are sharing their, you know, tips and tricks. Uh, We have a sales, uh, Pitch Perfect sales session every Friday at 2 p.m., which is quite raucous at times. We don't do webinars. So uh, we've kind of put a ban on those one-way conversations because we feel that they're not very engaging. So every uh, workshop that we have or every meeting will be cameras on. Nobody's on mute. Everybody is invited to participate 100% in the community. Um, And we really just build our skills together. I think right now, I think we're going through that transition where we thought that this was going to be, you know, a temporary kind of sideline before we got back to normal. And we're starting now to really see yeah. people adapting, creating new alliances yeah. um, and even some great collaborations yeah. happening yeah. in the there'll
2: be, there'll be no shutting this down for the foreseeable as they say. How did the Sunday Times become involved?
4: So we initially connected with uh, David Monahan and the Sunday Times and we had a quick chat about what our ethos was and what they were trying to do and we quickly realised that we had um, a lot of things in common and what that was at the heart of it was real stories for real people real people that are coping and adapting to real challenges in the world. Um, and we, we felt that that was, you know, there was a lot of should, would and could messages out there. Um, and that was increasing the anxiety that small business owners might feel. Um, and that we wanted to share what's really happening um, and give people some hope, watch some business that are actually surviving and thriving um, and really share stories about how, real people are overcoming these challenges. Um, so that's really what led to the uh, partnership and um, we are due to have our first supplement released this Sunday. Yeah. It's going to be really exciting. There's a lot of great themes in there that will um, hopefully resonate with a lot of small and medium businesses. So, so
2: what kind of things are in, say, um, the first
4: edition, first supplement? We're talking about a little bit about uh, networking and what that looks like in the online world, um, how to create really good Connections with people in this new physically diff- distant world. We're talking about things like adaptability or vulnerability as a business owner, and how you can channel that vulnerability and hopefully turn it into um, some kind of survival mechanism. That channel that survival anxiety and, and turn it into some form of innovation. Uh, we're talking about supporting each other, uh, the art of listening remotely. Um, and we're also showcasing some of the members uh, within the community as well who have actually adapted and innovated their own business models yeah. uh, throughout the lockdown and Because the there has
2: been some incredible innovation going on. People who have found themselves having to shut down a business in the middle of March and pop it all online when they might have never have been online before. And now they're thriving.
4: Absolutely. I mean, the one thing the pandemic has been completely indiscriminate in terms of uh, the demographics of whose it, it has affected. But there are some sectors and demographics that have been disproportionately impacted with the economic fallout of the pandemic. Um, and they're really the people that we're, we're working to help them adapt business models, to think about new areas of opportunity. Um, we do, like we said, pitch perfect every, t- every Friday at 2pm, which means that you can come and pitch. It's like a mini Dragon's Den. You can come and g- deliver your pitch And you'll get critique from the audience, which will help you hone your pitch and realize where it's not translating or where you need to kind of uh, improve the message. So it's really a genuinely supportive community that's um, focused on making everybody kind of succeed at the end of the day.
2: A lot of people that I know that have worked from home over the last six months, they tell you at this news spread, I'm zoomed out of it. Jesus, I'm zoomed out of it. Is that common?
4: Absolutely. Zoom fatigue is real um, and not only that but we're working harder when we're on screen so we don't pick up all that um, all that body language and the emotional intelligence that you get in real time when you're physically in front of somebody. So you might notice that we're waving at the end of a Zoom call. Uh, we don't wave at the end of business meetings so that's a new thing. Uh, we, we don't wave as we're walking out of the room. But we do other things when we're about to walk out of the room. We might, you know, pack up our pens or put our our laptops away. And so giving each other those social cues over Zoom takes more effort as we're beginning to unlearn our old habits and rebuild new habits. Um, And also we're not used to sitting, you know, on one chair facing a screen all day. When you're meeting people, you're out and about, you're usually going from room to room. So it's definitely an adjustment and um, trying to build new structures in oh. this new, new world.
2: You mentioned networking. Like, networking is about human interaction, shaking hands, chatting, all the things that we now cannot do.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, we can't shake hands with someone. Can't even, really, realistically, you can't meet a stranger for a coffee over a table that's too small.
4: Yeah, 100%. And we, you know, we still do Zoom coffees. So we do have a meet and greet session every Tuesday where people can pop in and just hang out. We have tried coffee in real life. So we've had a number of people um, have met up outside, at a, you know, outside coffee table and and met up in real real life to see that they're real people. Um, But, you know, networking is different online. Um, But what we've done is we've tried to banish, like we said, the one-way conversations, encourage people to really warmly connect with each other um, to encourage a different type of network networking. And people are more available on Zoom than they would have been before when um, when you have to go and make an appointment to see somebody or you had to travel to a meeting. You know, we've got more time now to be more productive. Okay. Um, but on the other side of that, we're missing the serendipity, right? That you might just drop into a conference where you might uh, drop in to see somebody and, and that wonderful kind of sense of chance that happens when you're having that conversation. Yeah. Um, and when we're in that online world, that serendipity is a little bit more planned.
2: Well, the, the supplement comes in two parts. First this Sunday and the second one on the 4th of October. Good luck with it and good luck with the continued success of Ireland together.
4: Thank you so much, PJ. Yes,
2: that's Joanne Griffiths, Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. 715 I, I hate the term the new normal now because this is just the normal this is where we're going you miss people I miss people and I miss interacting with new people we've all talked about the small circle imagine trying to run a business uh, on a screen that previously was in an office with a desk and people and maybe a shop front imagine trying to run that from a screen or a laptop on the kitchen table with a pile of washing next to you. You need help with that, so watch out for that supplement. The Irish Times are the sort. Of beg your pardon. The Sunday Times. This Sunday, uh, the twentieth of September, and the second edition on Sunday, the fourth of October, eighteen fifty-seven-one-five-nine-nine-six. Oh yeah, there. I remember that. I remember that. Back in May, I spoke to Donna. Uh, she was a bridesmaid at a wedding that had been put back. Alan and Kira's wedding and Kira and Alan Spiter. The wedding was due to be in Dunmore House, one of the most beautiful places to have a wedding. It was to happen on the twenty second of May, and it didn't happen obviously on the twenty second of May. Um Well, it's happening today, and they're down in Dunmore House. Look out at that. Look out at that. Could the stars align any better for you? with a day like that down at Dunmore House for your wedding. So best of luck and all the best for the future to Kira and to Alan. And uh, Cal was on as well, Cal O'Leary, who I spoke to yesterday, a former Vita Cortex man. and uh, He wants to thank us, uh, the show, and to everyone involved in yesterday's marking of the 161 days of the debitum strike. You might have seen photographs. You will have seen one particular photograph photograph of a certain 96 M personality looking wistfully into the air up in Bell's Field as she stands poised with her electric bike. And she swears to God she didn't know it was being taken, which is probably the best kind of photograph. She thought the camera had been switched off. That photograph will haunt you forever. Actually, it's a great photograph. It's a great photograph. Looking up, wondering how much she's going to miss me. Anyway, um, It's all part of we bike. It's a kind of an e electric bike awareness week. There's people are going around on their electric bikes, checking them out for the first time because there's a bit of. We're all being pushed into cycling because it's more healthy. But Cork is not exactly the best place in the world for hoofing around on on a bike. I'm sorry, but there's too many flipping hills. There's more hills than Rome. So e-bikes are a big thing uh, in Cork, and a big focus, a big push on them this week. So there's a number of different ambassadors for the movement. Paddy and Anna Lane are from Mallow. Paddy, good morning to
6: you. Good morning, PJ. And Is Anna there with you? Uh, no, she's not. Nice.
2: Oh, that's great. That's great. Now you've you've been on electric bikes. Are you? you're veterans now at this stage? Seven years. Yeah. Yeah. The difference. Would you a bit a cyclist anyway?
6: No, I hadn't cycled since I the driving at 17 or 18 years of age, I'd say. And I was in the region of six years of age when I bought the bike. Yeah. Uh, so there was over 40 years that I hadn't cycled.
2: Yeah. And and you, you say that you really didn't know your own area until you actually started going around on the bike.
6: In a real sense, I didn't. You know, I've lived in this area all my life, but there are so many parts of it that I hadn't uh, explored at all, really, I suppose. And getting on the bike and going into all the little roads, which is where we tend to travel generally, Mm. get away as far as you can from um, fast-moving traffic. Uh, and there is a huge network as we all know of little roads all over the country and they'll get you from A to B um, by planning a route and it's fantastic the scenery you pick up uh, as you cycle around.
2: Yeah, And of course at a time when you're supposed to be socially distancing and if you're of an age probably more than others you can get off out into the countryside, find a nice quiet spot and just travel.
6: Indeed, yeah, it's fantastic that way. You're not near anybody and you're, you know, the the advantages of cycling are are manyfold and both for physical and mental health, Mm. I think it can't be underestimated, the value of getting on your bike and the freedom of being out in the fresh air in the countryside, mm. and I mean, it doesn't all, all the cycling doesn't have to be in the countryside, obviously, yeah. there's an lot of people cycling in yeah. urban areas as well. And,
2: and Paddy, you do actually cycle, like, it's not a case of the bike does everything, you do actually have to <laughs> pedal.
6: Indeed, yeah, some people think the bike carries you, Yeah. Uh, that's, they'll get a bit of a hop if they get on one of them and think like, that's like how Like, how,
2: how does it work, you're, you're poodling along a, a country lane and you come up against an incline, so what yeah. happens? Do you do you push a button and the bike takes over or what?
6: Well, you have it. You have it engaged all the time, right? And you're you're cycling on a lower level of your you're your, your demanding a lower level of power when you're on level surfaces and you're not. You, you know you are engaged when you're going downhill. You're not using any power, but then when you reach an incline. Uh you'll see what's in front of you, you'll know how you can which level of power. In my bike I have four levels of power. Right. And uh whichever one I feel I'll need going up, I'll engage uh at at the appropriate time. Right. And, and do you and, stop
2: um, pedaling then and the bike carries you or do you have to keep help oh keep no, moving the legs? No,
6: absolutely not. You 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 pedal and you'll know you've pedaled up a hill when you get to the top of it as well, but that's all part of the benefit of the you 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 need to have a, a workout going as well. So it's not no. a
2: case of sitting back and going, come on now, go goes the top of the
6: <laughs> <laughs> Not at all, not at all, no.
2: Gotcha. So you'd recommend it?
6: Absolutely. I, I would have to say it has changed our leisure time dramatically since we bought them because we, you know, when we go off for weekends or on holidays or that, we, we have a camp event, so Up in the back of the countryside And you know you want to park up the camper van When you're away And get on the bike and get out there Because for the few years that we had the van Before we bought the bikes It was all on foot really And you can only cover so much ground walking We still do quite a bit of walking But Mm. uh, to get get a a good range of countryside covered um, The bikes are fantastic And, And when we're in coastal areas they're fantastic because you you kind of source little beaches that are off ah, the beaten yeah. track and all that kind of thing, you know.
2: Ah, yeah. You'll head out over the weekend in the good weather, I imagine. Yes. Yeah. Ah, all right. Yeah. Well, enjoy it, Paddy, and my best to Anna. That's Paddy Lane extolling the virtues of Eva. It Sounds nice. I, it's not the lazy man's load that you go. I'm going up the hill. Now you have to keep peddling. You have to keep peddling. Quick bit of business before we go, Kira O'Flynn. Wants to talk to us about orienteering, Kira.
14: Hello, how are you, how are you doing, PJ? doing?
2: For those of us who've forgotten when we were in the Scouts long ago, what is orienteering?
14: Okay. So orienteering is where you're given a map and you run from what they call station to station. So they're little checkpoints that you uh, check in on your on along the route. So I'm conservation officer in Cork <laughs> City Council and we are installing a permanent urban orienteering route through Shandon. Okay. Um, now, the reason we're doing that is because Shandon is what we call an architectural conservation area. Mm. So we have 38 architectural conservation areas around Court City. And they all have, they are designated these because they are considered to be beautiful, that we have gorgeous old buildings um, that we want to protect. So as a way of kind of helping or encouraging people to look around and a little bit more closely um, at the lovely bi- historic buildings that we have. We're putting in this orienteering roof because it's an activity that we can do outside um, and now with COVID and everything that you know, it's it's um, just another option for people in Cork City whether you're a resident or a visitor.
2: And you're looking um, for some public involvement uh, to yes, illustrate the checkpoints. Tell me about that.
14: Yes. So we're going to have five checkpoints around Shandon and what we what we want to do is these will be in 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 the physical format of a tile um that will be in, 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 in somewhere but what we want to do is have them illustrated by local people okay. um so what we're asking people to do is go out and have a look and uh, there's five different checkpoints you'll find them on the most important message for me to get across today is the website so it's www.corkcity.ie and then forward slash orienteering that's O-R-I-E-N-T-E-E or I-N-G and that'll get you to exactly all the details it'll give you the different spots so what we want to do is people to go to the different spots have a look around pick out something that's really interesting whether it's the fish up in Shandon or there's a nice little carving on a doorway or it might be a boot scraper or something and make a little doodle of it and we're not looking for highbrow artists now okay. we're looking for people who just fancy a bit of a drill All right.
2: okay. and uh, okay.
14: send them in on the website
2: before the 30th of September corksidee.ie forward slash orienteering time has caught us but thanks for that Kira, and good luck with it that's an orienteering course permanent one around Shandon and they want your help to design the checkpoints and design the tiles for the checkpoints corksidee.ie forward slash orienteering